the South Congress podcast. Hey guys, so what you're hearing is actually the interview I did with Sting from December of 2022. Prior to writing the article for The Ringer, Sting Rounds the Bases, uh, we really did touch on the maybe false finishes is the best way to put it um, for his career. Things not working out with a happy ending with different promotions. And then we really got into the idea of what he wanted to do for his send-off, which we are all going to see kind of formulate and finalize at Revolution. So um, thanks for listening and enjoy. The South Congress podcast is a lifestyle show that sometimes crosses over into mature territory. The views expressed are those of the hosts and guests who come from different backgrounds and experiences. Listener discretion is advised. Okay. Yeah. No worries. But yeah. So I'll start all over. So yeah, I am. I'm grateful for the fans. Um, grateful for this last run. I had no idea that I would have a last run like this. I, to be quite honest, thought that I was um, done until I got the phone call from Tony Khan, and um, you know, it's just just been a great ride uh, with the fans and the wrestlers. I mean, and the production, uh, the PR people, uh, I mean, it really everybody from, from Tony on down, um, just overwhelmed with just how incredible it's been all along. I knew I'd have some kind of fun. But <laughs> I didn't know that it would be quite like this. Uh, and I say that because there's such a great group of, um, wrestlers, unbelievable talent, uh, young guys coming up, just, just incredible, uh, to be teamed up with Darby. I honestly do not believe that it would have gone, uh, this long and this well without Darby. I can say that confidently now. Um, and Tony has been, he's treated me so good. Um, you know, he's given me the ability to sort of, you know, kind of write my last chapter kind of the way I want, you know, <laughs> instead of disappearing with your tail between your legs. And um, I'm grateful for the opportunity that Tony has given me. So to circle back to that, um, as far as Tony, what do you recall? And it doesn't have to be in you know, a specific verbiage, but Tony reaching out to you and saying, hey, we want to bring you in. Do you remember any parts of that pitch, what his big picture ideas were, what his short-term ideas were um, when you guys initially talked about you coming into the fold? Yeah, it's uh, amazing because I, I knew Tony um, before I ever got into wrestling, you know, before he ever got into wrestling. Um, uh, I mean, before he started AEW and uh, got a text message out of the blue from some guy named Tony asking me if I'd sign a baseball bat and give it to his team, the Jaguars. And I thought, who is this guy? So I, I did a little research and found out, yeah, this is, this is legit. This is a uh, Tony Khan. And so, uh, called him back. And of course I was happy to, you know, sign a baseball bat for the Jaguars and, uh, gosh, time, went on gosh i'd say at least 18 months or so maybe two years and uh he uh he called and he said or no he texted started with a text he said you know something to, along the lines of steve hey uh i hear that uh, your deal with uh, wwe might be over with or you might be leaving or whatever and i uh, just want to know if you might be interested in coming back to play over here for a little while <laughs> And I, you know, I, I just, 
just so I could be above and beyond any kind of reproach, I, I texted him back and just said, great to hear from you, but I didn't respond anything to do with business. Mm-hmm. Just said, great to hear from you. Hope, hope to see you down the road. And it was about a year later uh, that I did call him. I just said, you know, I got your text a year ago and, um, you know, what were you thinking? <laughs> And he just said, man, I, you know, I just, I just want to know if you're willing to come back and, and, and play a little while. And I said, well, Tony, I, you know, I'm not going to be able to wrestle these young guys. I'm not going to be able to do, you know, half the stuff that I used to do. And, and so I'm, I'm not sure what I have to offer at this point. And uh, he asked me if I would do or if I was interested in uh, cinematic matches. And, you know, I, I knew that WWE had done some of those. And I said, well, if it's, if it's filmed the way I think it is, this is like a Hollywood movie, basically, you know, okay, uh, let's light the scene, you know, and set it all up. And could you guys just walk through the motions on what you're going to do? And, you know, not, okay, everybody take a break, have uh, lunch and, you know, okay, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> and, um, I went to Rome, Georgia and did the very first cinematic match of my life. And, uh, you know, uh, cinematic with AEW and the rest is history. Um, it, it turned out really well and we got halfway through the filming and I had Cody Rhodes uh, saying, Steve, you can still go. You can still do this. <laughs> Just stop it. <laughs> Tony Khan, same deal. Steve, oh my gosh, you can still go. You can do it. You can do this, man. You know, <laughs> So I just, I stayed away from it as long as I could, but they were so persistent. And then the guys I was in a ring with were saying the same thing. And I thought, oh man, maybe I could try a couple. And so we renegotiated, we did another deal and I got back in the ring and, um, and I've had a lot of fun. I was, uh, I was talking to Ricky Starks a couple of days ago about, uh, the cinematic match and, and he was impressed um <laughs> and he's he's tough to crack it's hard to get him to say nice things but he was absolutely impressed um you know with what you brought to the table um so let's talk about that for a second i know you did say that having those young guys around has really helped you like on this run i know specifically um you're kind of tethered in a good way to darby but if you just want to talk a little bit about maybe him specifically the other guys you've interacted with and how that's really helped you uh the last couple of years on this front well darby you know he he came out to the house and, and ricky did too you know they they came out here to my house we had a, a ring set up i've, I've got a you know a, a climate controlled uh facility here it's a barn basically and you know there's a gym inside here but we had a ring set up inside here tony sent one here and these guys were good enough to come and, you know, work with me and, and, uh, just kind of see where I'm at. I, you know, I, I didn't even know for sure. And it was a little rough to be quite honest, you know, in the beginning, but, uh, they found out where I was and, and then I, you know, I was able to improve and shake off even more of the rust and, and it got better over time. But Darby in the aspect of knowing my limitations, and knowing, you know, some of the guys that we've wrestled, uh, knowing them personally and what their abilities are and, you know, the guys and their work ethic and what they're like in the ring and how easy or difficult they might be to deal with, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so Darby has just been as worth his weight in gold uh, to me. And um, 
all the guys that I've been in the ring with. I mean, I'm, I got a soft spot for, for all these guys. I mean, you know, acclaimed, um, you know, Ethan page and Scorpio sky, Ricky, Ricky stars, FTR. I mean, private party, uh, even the young bucks, um, you know, orange Cassidy, I didn't wrestle him, but we just had a little moment together and it was, it was pretty cool. I, I really enjoyed that. I had a lot of fun doing that outside of the so, ring. Yeah. Not to, not to interject, but yeah, I'm remembering it as you're talking about it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I thought I'm I'm going to do his gimmick. You know, I said, are "You cool if I do this?" And he goes, what? "You're asking me? You would do that?" I go, "Heck yeah, let's let's do it, let's do it, man!" And it, it was just so much fun. I, I love that kind of stuff. But you know, these guys they they chose to participate. You know, in a good way. I mean, they they wanted to make it as good as it could possibly be. And they were willing to sacrifice and, um, you know, elevate everybody. It wasn't, you know, we didn't have, we weren't in the ring with, uh, people who were on some agenda of their own. Uh, that includes me, you know, I mean, we, we were all working together trying to make it as good as we possibly could. And, uh, you know, again, a super soft spot for these guys, man. Let me ask you this, um, and this is something that I've been curious about for for years and years and years. Um, you know, we we're kind of introduced to you on a national TV level as Surfer Sting. Um, the NWO comes in, we get Crow Sting. Then there's kind of Wolfpack Crow Sting. Um, you know, you go to TNA eventually, and that's more like the Joker Sting hybrid, the main event mafia stuff. What is it about the Crow Sting character? that is the definitive sting to you, if that's the case. Um, what is it about that particular iteration of the character that made you want to carry that on, um, you know, all these decades later? It, it came about at just the perfect time in wrestling. It was the perfect storm. Uh, it really was. You know, you, you had... Uh, um, you know, WWE, WWF at the time and Monday night raw and WCW struggling along as second class citizens, not having a live show until Ted Turner has a discussion with Eric Bischoff. Why don't we have a live show? I want a live show. And we launched nitro and, you know, wrestling was really changing a lot rapidly. It was changing so fast, uh, during that era. And, you know, when we launched Nitro and, and, you know, Scott Hall jumped ship and Lex Luger jumped ship and Kevin Nash jumped ship and uh, characters were changing and all of a sudden you had the NWO and Hall and Nash filmed that real cool greeny looking video where they were the NWO and Hollywood Hogan, you know, uh, appear, I, appears. I knew that it was time for... You know, everybody really needed to change at that time. And it's like, what am I going to do? You know, neon tights, blonde hair, you know, this beating on your chest. And, you know, this this is not going to last much longer. I got you know, something's got to change. And so, uh, you know, Scott Hall was the one who gave me the uh, sort of an idea for the look for the crow sting. And, and, you know, we launched that Nitro show and the Monday Night Wars happened. And, you know, it was massive, huge, talked about to this day. And, 
wrestling all of a sudden was, you know, it it was so mainstream with two different organizations and the storylines were so, so deep and so wild. And uh, again, fans everywhere, people, even closet wrestling fans were coming out of the closet and, uh, you know, during the excitement of that time and, and it just elevated my character, the Sting character, um, into a, a, a place where I'd never been. Um, you know, uh, I'll never forget Eric Bischoff telling me, you know, 40, 48% of all the merchandise sold at this particular time, uh, for WCW is all, you know, Hogan, NWO, uh, merchandise and the other 52% is sting merchandise. And, and I, you know, I, I was shocked. I, I couldn't believe, you know, uh, and, and that, that character just everything about it, less is more, um, really worked. And, um, it, it just, it just put me on a level that I'd never been. And, um, it sort of solidified me as, you know, at that level. And I'm not going to, describe it it's just you, you fill in the blanks the way you want and i'll let anyone listening to this or reading it uh, do the same so absolutely just, absolutely it, just, it was just the perfect perfect timing all the way around the perfect storm when i look at um guys like you um Kevin Nash, Booker T, you know, people you you work with directly, um, you know, there, there's this longevity that you have and this, you know, appreciation and still being close to the business. Um, and on the flip side, um, you know, you definitely have contemporaries who um, have been less successful, contemporaries who necessarily aren't around anymore. Um, it's specifically, what are a few things you contribute your longevity to? Oh man, there's a, there's a few things. Uh, I stopped taking steroids Okay. <laughs> in, 19, in 1990. I mean, yeah, I'm just going to cut to the chase. I mean, I appreciate uh, it. I, a lot of, a lot of the guys that just, uh, they just couldn't stop. They just couldn't stop. They've, they've all got new knees, new hips, shoulders reversed and, uh, oh man, you know, I have still all the same original body parts. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that's, that's part of it. Um, also my life changed drastically, drastically in August of 1998. Um, when I gave myself my, my life to uh, Jesus Christ Absolutely. and I attribute all really most of anything good that comes out of me. And my longevity is one of the things that's good, I guess that it comes from him, uh, and, and no one else. Uh, so, you know, I was, you know, addicted to painkillers and drinking and, you know, uh, steroids and drugs and, you know, a lifestyle that for so many years, you know, the human body can only take so much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, uh, a lot of the guys, especially in my era, they just, they just couldn't, they couldn't stop. And I was on my way to being one of them. And so I attribute the longevity to, you know, cleaning out, you know, the drugs and the alcohol, the lifestyle, overall lifestyle, you know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, everything got cleaned up, everything got cleaned up. Um, and so, uh, and then, you know, treating uh, others the way you'd like to be treated. And, um, 
trying to take care of myself in the gym and, you know, learning how to train differently over the years as your body ages and, you know, the business evolves and, uh, just trying to stay, uh, ahead of the game. And, and, um, I, I think those are some pretty good reasons as to why I'm still here. That's amazing too, because I was not going to be one of those guys, you know, I can remember, you know, Lex Luger and I, and, you know, the Steiners and, you know, that, that generation of guys, you know, looking at some of the guys who'd been around for so many years and they were still doing it. We're like, Why are they still here? Why are they doing this? You know? And I thought, I'm not going to do that. You know, but I'm going to be in this five, six years and I'm going to get out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was, I was the guy who wasn't going to be a lifer in this. And, and I was the guy who didn't even know what pro wrestling was when I got in. And, mm-hmm. Oh man. And, and here I am, you know, and, and all the guys that wanted to be a pro wrestler from the day they were born practically, um, and became pro wrestlers. Uh, many of them, um, uh, you know, they, they didn't last that long and they wanted to, but couldn't, um, here I am, you know, I, I wanted to be in and out and here I am all these years later, it's been 36, 37 years or something like that. So crazy. I, um, yeah, I'm uh, certainly not a uh, legendary pro wrestler, but when people ask me about writing and media and I tell them how hard they need to work and, and have good sources and make sure you communicate and be fair about what you write. I also tell them at the end, you also have to be good. Like it's not, it's not just about how bad you want it as nice as that would be. You also have to be really good at what you do in order for the thing to last. So, yeah. Um, so well, oh, good, I'm sorry. No, I just no 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 comment. Just okay. I was just gonna say, you know, I, I'll I'll let if 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 people think that or believe that, I'll let them speak for me on that one. Okay, just, I appreciate I the humility. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting yeah. to say that. Um, so I have, um, and you know, we all define the things that that we do differently. I remember a couple of matches you had with Diamond Dallas Page. Um, it was like title versus title, the first one. Um, you were heavyweight champ. He was U.S. champ, and he challenged on a Nitro. And then like a year or two later, you guys had a match. I think you were still world heavyweight champ. Um, and to me, as far as like that run, the Crow Sting run, um, they were your best matches. I thought you guys went out there and killed it. And my question is, um, if during that time, and of course we all have like, again, different things we appreciate, if one of those matches during that run was your last match. If you have a match that sticks out and everything kind of stops there, are you satisfied with your career? If, if you have that last great match in 98, 99, 2000, and then that's it. You, you referring to any match during that time or the one? Yeah, we don't, we don't have to have the same favorites. <laughs> that's, that's what works for me. But if you have like a defining match from back then where you're like, yeah, this is it. I'm good. If, if I can't do anything else, I'm good with that. Man, I, I'll tell you, I, the ones with Dallas, I, I took for granted at the time. And, you know, I got to give him, you know, most of the credit for uh, those matches and the way they they ended up. Um, he he really poured in and he wanted these things to be good. And I I don't say that I was going through the motions because I, I always wanted it to be good, too, and I'm willing to sacrifice and do whatever it takes. But he was just more zealous 
you know, to make it all happen um, in an awesome way, uh, more than I was. And uh, so I regret not being more into it at the time. But yeah, I mean, listening to you say what you said and knowing that, for example, the uh, uh, Starcade 97 against Hogan, uh, you know, we had a great buildup and with the match did not follow the buildup. That was sort of a letdown. Uh, a lot of things didn't go right that night. And, you know, the controversial night, people love to talk about it to this day, but you, you think about things like that. And then you compare that, those types of matches with, you know, the flare matches, 45 minute draw, um, a class champion. No, not class champ. Yeah, it was class champion. So it was the uh, March of 1988, uh, and some of the great matches I had with Rick, some of the great matches I had with Leon White, Muda, the great Muda. Um, man, I, I had so many great matches with some of these guys, and it just seems like those kind of matches didn't really happen again for me until Dallas Page. You know, I would yeah. say I had a those those were really good matches with Dallas, and and as I look back now, I have much more appreciation for him than I did. That's for sure. Um, but I, you know, I I I would. I'd have to go back through time to be honest with you and look and try to remember some of the matches and maybe even watch some of them. But if I had to pick one right now, I'd, I'd, I'd say, okay, let's, let's go with the Dallas matches, you know, okay, here we go. They, they were good. Yeah. Um, so with, again, like I'm I, the way that I'm kind of framing things like in my head. And as I start to write is kind of, you know, you were there for kind of the end of WCW. I want to talk TNA for a second too, but, um, in WCW, and it does not have to be super detailed, but are, are there matches that you feel like you left on the table or that were left on the table, not specifically from you, but Sting versus whoever? Do you feel like there's anything that you regret not happening during that time? Not not with WCW, no. Okay. No. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, so, that's, that's just an easy, easy, quick answer. Yeah. Okay. So with um okay so I want to I want to talk about TNA a little bit. Um it seems like like from the outside in that that's the most creative freedom you may have had. Um what was the Joker Sting stuff more you was that coming from uh you know people in the front office um kind of kind of where did that come about and and what made you something we say what made you go with that verse um, but what, what kind of inspired you to really bring out kind of that zany, wacky, do anything character? Where did that come from? Ah, man, just that, that's really an extension of me. Uh, most people don't see that unless you get to know me. Uh, but I do, I do have a personality and I love to have fun. That's why I can do the orange Cassidy spots, you know, uh, with, with ease. I love that kind of stuff, but, um, I don't know. It, it just, it was something that I felt like I needed to again, evolve and try something different and step out of the box and take risk and, and I did, and and uh, I had so much fun. And that one there was uh, about uh, more than any other thing character o- over the years. That one was most like the real beat. <laughs> That's really interesting. Uh, I, I never would have thought. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, you talk to somebody like Kevin Nash, he'll he'll tell you. Somebody like Marcus Bagwell, he'll tell you. Lex Luger, he'll tell you. 
the Steiner brothers, they'll tell you. I mean, it's, it was just kind of uh, who I was. I mean, I, I was constantly doing impersonations, uh, you know, doing voices and accents. And you can remember playing cards with Randy Savage in the dressing room. And I was, you know, every every hand I was beating him and every hand I was playing the part of a different person. And I was just on him and on him and on him. And he got you know, so mad because I was taking his money and he goes, knock it off. I feel like I'm playing 10 different people. It's not fair, you know. And I, I love that kind of stuff. And and so, you know, with the Joker sting. Uh, really quickly, to not to cut you out. off, I really apologize. Can you give me just a few yeah. names of, of people you were impersonating? I think that'll really add to it. <laughs> oh, man. I, it, it, it wouldn't be anybody that maybe you would know. It would be... Oh, like you're, you're thinking I'm talking about, you know, impersonating other wrestlers and, and I might've done that, but it, it would have been maybe, you know, their physical actions and not so much their, their voices. Um, uh, you know, it could be somebody that we see in the airport. It could be, oh okay I mean, anyone, anyone, anywhere, you know, um, but I love to do accents, um, and, and just like, just turn into a different person. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, that's great. You know, no, that's even is, better than it being a famous yeah. person. I, that's great. Okay, perfect. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to get that in. Go ahead. I'm yeah. Sorry. No, and I, you know, I, I is it's like I would have loved to have been a character actor. You know, I, I did some acting. You know, over the years, and nothing worth anything, believe me. But uh, character acting, I would have loved to have done that. I, I would have excelled at that, I believe. But I had a lot of fun doing that Joker character. It was sort of hit and miss here in the United States. But man, we went to the UK and went to Wembley there, and they they absolutely loved it. I mean, they ate it up. And uh, and I had a lot of fun doing that. So, yeah, just to, just another one of those times where I felt like I wanted to evolve. Yeah. So there's um, like a three, around a three-year gap between the end of WCW and then you being uh, over there in TNA. Um, does the, what does that kind of time off do as far as what you can present in ring? Did you feel rusty? Did you feel behind the curve? Like, did it take you a while to adjust? Yeah, I, I knew I was going to have some rust to shake off, but, you know, I, I still felt like I, I could go and, and I knew that I could. And uh, so I wasn't all that concerned. I mean, I did have, you know, a little bit of anxiety over it, I suppose, but you know, um, once you lock up and get in there and start hitting those ropes and this comes back, you know, absolutely. I was okay so, at that time. So with WCW, that's kind of, you know, you're in there with the super world-class talent and the most popular names, you go over to TNA and it's, you know, it's still that it's still the Kurt Angles and the AJ Styles and the Booker T's and Samoa Joe's and all those guys. Um, but again, you get kind of that creative freedom. So if things end with TNA, if that's kind of your, your swan song there, how do you feel about your career at that point? Uh, well, you know, yeah, I had the Joker, Joker sting thing, but you know, I, I didn't like uh, the way things were going toward the end there. And I had to walk away. Um, and I thought, wow, you know, I'm just, uh, 
this is a couple times now that I'm, I'm sort of, you know, disappearing with my tail between my legs. And, you know, I always wanted that, that dream match of mine, along with most wrestling fans all over the globe, wanted to see Sting and Taker. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I wanted to have that match and I thought, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but I still had something that in the back of my mind, I thought, ah, maybe it'll happen at some point, you know, but I don't know. I, I'm probably done. And so I sort of had a resolve about it all and thought, yeah, if I'm done, I'm done. I didn't want to go out that way, but if it's over, it's over. You know, there's, there's there's life beyond wrestling. And, um, so yeah. And then, then, uh, you know, I reached out and sent a text to, uh, Vince McMahon and Paul triple H and, uh, got instant, instant responses from them and and I, I went up there and uh taker already had something going with uh brock at that at that particular wrestlemania and um ended up doing something with triple h and uh, even after triple h i thought ah, i'd still like to make that happen and even after i left you know when the cinematic thing started i thought oh this would be perfect but i just um i know that uh, it was a one-sided thing. I think I was the only one who really wanted to do that. Okay. Do you two um, have, have any type of relationship or communication, you and Taker? Like, of course, there's, like you even brought it up, there's so many parallels between the two of you, the longevity, even the cinematic matches. Is there any communication between you and him, whether it's specifically about business or not? No. No. Okay. I mean, I, 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 bump in, I bump into him from time to time, but... No, we, we don't stay in touch. Understood. Okay. Right. So, um, let's see what I'd like to ask about now. Um, what is it that you are looking to inspire in or bring out in younger talent? Um, you know, you talked about Darby, the guys you've worked with. They've all been like super receptive and appreciative. Um, are there any kind of defining ideas, words, ideals um, that you have for um, the people in the locker room who, you know, who see you and are listening to you and look up to you? Uh, man, I've, I've tried to teach Darby and, and some of the other guys the, the less is more thing, which that, that was a lesson that I learned turning into that, that Crow character. So, yeah, I mean, less is more. I mean, so many guys in this business and girls, you know, I mean, they, they, they're, there's just, there's just too much going on. They're, they're mm-hmm. trying too hard with gimmicks and stuff and one-liners and taglines and it's like, and they're, they're jumping into it too early, you know, to like let it all sort of evolve organically and, and see where that leads. You know, as long as you're not dogging it in the ring and, and wrestling fans see that you're, you're out there, you know, your balls to the walls, you know, uh, they're going to appreciate that. And over time, you know, it will elevate you. So as a matter of fact, you know, on that, you know, losing, losing a match, losing match after match after match. I mean, losing done right elevates in my opinion. Uh One thing that I learned how to do is I learned how to lose. I learned how to lose in such a way that, you know, by the time the match was over, I, I was somehow or another elevated. 
um, you know, I always tried to, you know, put out so much effort, you know, during the match that, you know, if, when I did lose, you know, that wrestling fans might think it was a horrible thing. You know, it's like, what, what, he lost, what, I mean, what, what, I mean, come on, you know, uh, where they, they'd want you to win, you know, the, the next match, you know, um, and on that, you know, if you, you don't like an idea, if you don't like what's going on, then don't just come in and say, I don't like it, or I'm not going to do it. Just come up with a better idea. Another thing I'm trying to show a lot of these guys is don't just say, I'm not going to do it, or I don't like it. You know, just come up with a better idea. I mean, come up with an idea that's good for everybody. Good for not just you, but your opponent and good for the company, good for the wrestling fans. Um, I think that, you know, the less is more thing with regard to shock and awe, you know, some guys, so too many of them, uh, in my opinion, go for what we call the cheap pop. Uh, they're going for shock value and you can only get by with so much of that, you know, in my opinion, um, involving the crowd. That's one of the things that I always tried to do and listen, listen to the crowd too. Not only, not only involve them in your matches. In other words, you got to acknowledge the crowd at some point. And there's, there's key times to do these kind of things, but it's like, you know, this is entertainment and everybody knows it. So try to involve the crowd and, you know, don't pretend that this is (laughs) something else. Um, and then, you know, there, there's life after wrestling. Um, there's something bigger. And I've already touched on it already. But, you know, if, if, if family, you know, if you got kids, you got a wife at home, you got a husband at home, I mean, that's, that's got to be first and foremost. And, of course, God. Uh, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of the guys and, you know, in Hollywood and everywhere, there's so much depression, you know, this whole thing with COVID and the, the direction that the trajectory that our whole country is on right now, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's crazy times we're living in right now. And it's causing a lot of people to be depressed and, you know, drugs and anger and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, I'd like to inspire them to look to other places of healing like God, you know, and I've had the great opportunities to talk with so many of the guys about God and boy, some of the conversations, they've just been really, really incredible. Um, I don't forget where I came from, you know, cause I was again, one of those guys messed up and, you know, and, you know, I was depressed and I was on drugs and I was drinking alcohol and making all the wrong choices. And it's like, you know, there's, there's something beyond wrestling, you know, that I, I always kind of knew that, but like, what is it? You know, what is it? And then, so for me, it's, it's God. So I'm going to be, you know, the wrestler that talks about Jesus Christ. I'm going to be the one that talks about God. And, um, I can help anyone, anyone in, in the area of cleaning their lives up um, and getting out of depression. I mean, doctors are okay. Psychologists and, you know, and talking to people, that's always good. And, you know, but I mean, I'm going to try to push people toward, toward Christ. Absolutely. No, I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, the people who do have longevity in our lives are, are meant to, 
to help us and steer us. So I think that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Um, back to longevity. So you are, um, you know, one of the participants in Muda's retirement match. Um, just what does it mean to you to be, you know, to be asked upon to do something like that? You know, somebody you've had, you know, a relationship with at least professionally for three, four decades. Um, what does it mean to you to be asked to be a part of that? What do you, you know, hope to accomplish with that? Just, uh, you know, however you uh, want want to go there. And can you repeat that whole thing? It, you were, it was. I apologize. I'm sorry. You got me. You got me emotional. So, so I'm, I'm talking lower. I, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, okay. But no, um, you know, being a part uh, of Mood's retirement match and being selected on and called upon to do that. Um, just if you want to talk about, oh, yeah, how that makes you feel, the the responsibility, and anything along those lines. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was honored first of all that that Muda wanted me to do that. He, you know, I talked to him a couple of years ago and saw him here in the United States, and and uh, he was uh, asking me if I'd want to come back, and I said I would consider doing it. Yeah, and couple of years went by and he's now coming to the end of his career. And, and, you know, he reached out again and said, man, you know, I'd love to have you, you know, involved somehow or another, whatever you're willing to do. And, you know, we, we talked it through and I'm actually going to get in there and wrestle, you know, Darby and I and, and Muda and three others. Um, and I'm looking forward to that and just, blown away that you know he's like the last one of our era in japan standing and the similarities between the two of us we were always so much alike as far as our size and abilities styles were different but uh i loved working with him in japan i loved working with him here in the united states i mean the fukuoka dome and the tokyo dome and sixty-five thousand people and I'll never forget those times with uh, the great Muda. And so I'm looking forward to coming back, realizing it will undoubtedly be the last match that I'll ever have in Japan. Uh-huh. And um, maybe the last appearance uh, in Japan at all, as far as wrestling goes. And uh, so glad that he thought of me. Glad that he wants me in uh, in the match. And I'm I'm going there and and just want to pull out all stops and want it to be as good as it can possibly be for wrestling fans for Great Muda and for the wrestling industry as a whole. Absolutely. So I want to hopefully leave leave some kind of a Sting Muda legacy with uh, you know Darby right there along with us. I think it's, it's a great opportunity for Darby to be there. I'm glad he's going to be coming and uh, it's going to be his first over there and and. It's going to be great, man. I, I think it's going to be a memory that uh, no one will forget. Absolutely. Um, I made the mistake once. Um, I was talking to uh, Tony Storm, and I said, dream match. And she had the best response I've ever heard to dream match. She said, if it's a dream, it shouldn't be happening. I deal in reality. And I love it. <laughs> it was beautiful. Um, and and so to to mix that a little bit with you, I mean, you had so many matches, um, and it does not have to be perfectly laid out. But um, when it's time, um, you know, Lord willing, it happens um, in a way that you want. But when it's time for Sting's swan song, Sting's final match, just who is involved 
in that? Um, does that have to be, I want to face ex wrestler one-on-one in a cage or anything like that, but, but who's involved, who, who's a part of that? Well, I know Darby is going to be a part of it for sure. Um, I, I won't have a singles match uh, at this point. Um, so Darby will be, uh, along with me and I'll be along with him and, uh, and we can add more to it as far as I'm concerned. But I really, you know, I have a few uh, people and and I really don't want to say. <laughs> I, no, you can keep that close right to the now. vest. You're fine. You're fine. I understand. Yeah, um, yeah Darby being uh, but, involved. But, but, oh, what, I'm sorry. But, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I, there are some people that I would love to have, you know, an opportunity with in the ring. And the main thing for me is no matter who it is, no matter if it's an individual match, a singles match or tag or, or six man, eight man tag. I, I just want wrestling fans all over the world, everywhere to just, you know, walk away, scratching their heads going on real, man. I want them to, I want them to, just be left with a memory that they'll never forget a good positive memory, you know? Um, so yeah. And, and really even leading up to that, that that's all I want. I want, I want fans to be thoroughly, you know, entertained and just having a good time and, and reminiscing with me as, uh, history begins to come to an end, <laughs> you know, uh, as the, the last wave comes into shore, I want to ride it with all those who want to come on with me. Absolutely. Hey, just just a few more things, um, and I'll let you go. Um, okay. So you spoke a little bit about your WWE run. Um, we are all kind of familiar with that. Um, that kind of, I guess, coming to a close due to injury. At least this is you know us seeing it on the outside looking in. Um, how did you feel at that point thinking that that might be it? Um, that kind of being the, the, the end chapter on your career. Did you even interpret it like that? I actually did at the time. Uh, it was a pretty scary thing. You know, uh, yeah. my legs just turned in, turned into rubber and what, what is going on? But you know, they maybe, maybe really, really not, smart, but you know, the whole time I'm, I'm thinking, I gotta get up. I gotta get up. I gotta finish this. I gotta finish. I gotta, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta take this thing home, you know? Um, so somehow or another got myself back up to my feet and, you know, I started to get a little bit of feeling back in my legs and we, you know, we finished and went off and had my CT scans and MRIs and all that kind of stuff. And I, I really thought that it was, that was going to be it. Um, I know my wife was like, please, you got to stop. You know, this is, this is, you just, you, you got to stop. And, you know, I had doctors looking at me and, um, I never had any surgery. Uh, spoke with, uh, Steve Austin, I still spoke with Adam, you know, edge, uh, and, and some others who've had, you know, surgeries and they're saying, don't do it, don't do it. And, uh, so I held off from getting it done and you know it was probably four or five six weeks after it you know i had you know pain in the, my left strap coming down on the left side in the back there that was just like couldn't get it comfortable in 
laying down, sitting up, walking. It didn't matter. It was, it was sort of, and it, it just over time just eased up and, and got better. And I was able to, you know, get back in the gym and train and do. And so I think that I am, uh, okay. As far as the, the neck goes and, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's amazing that I end up coming back. Uh, I didn't think that I was uh, on that particular night. So those two names, I was actually uh, at the rumble when edge returned, um, the amazing pop in the building. I was insane. Um, and of course I saw, you know, uh, Austin at this most recent WrestleMania. Um, what does it mean to you just emotionally as, as, as friends, as colleagues, watching them be able to resume their careers in different ways, you know, after th- those, those similar injuries. Yeah. I mean, more, more power to them. I mean, both of them killed it in my opinion. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. I'm not surprised. Uh, I mean, you know, they, these guys know what they're doing and, uh, they've got their hand on the pulse of the wrestling industry and fans and they, they understand and, you know, they're willing to, step out and it's not even a, I wouldn't even call it a calculated risk. You know, they're, they're just, they know what they're doing and I know what I'm doing. And I'm not saying that an accident or a catastrophe can't happen. I mean, it can happen, you know, crossing the street. So, but I think that they know what they're doing and they came out there and and did it and fans loved it and the rest is history and let's move on, you know? Absolutely. Okay. Just two more things. Um, I do not feel like I, I gave, uh, the proper respect to you and Darby's relationship. Um, what is it about him specifically that, that kind of has you really attached to him, you know, personality, style, ideals, what, what makes you want to, um, you know, help him become the best that he could be specifically? Well, he's got the, the uh, paint on the face, you know, <laughs> got the war paint going. Yeah. So I love that. He's got the, you know, the, the blonde hair kind of like I had when I first started the surfer sting. And, and so he's, he's like the young guy who didn't know anyone in the wrestling industry. He didn't have an uncle, a father, a cousin, a brother, a friend, nobody, uh, that, that helped him to get into the pro wrestling industry. It's just, just, same with me, you know, I mean, yeah. he slept in his car. His, uh, dress was his car. Same with me. Um, you know, he didn't have uh, a lot of food to eat at, at times. It's just same with me. And, uh, you know, he, he, he came in and, and busted his butt and, <laughs> and he thinks outside the box. He is willing to risk. He never dogs it in the ring. Yeah. The guy is, the guy is the, you know, I talk about balls to the walls. Well, that's, that's Darby. He, he's, uh, he's got a work ethic that is really, really good. And, and he loves to, uh, think of innovative and creative ways to, entertain whether it be the physical aspect of the match or even just a a video promoting a match um he's even with his attire and his gimmick and you know what he does he puts so much effort into these things and doesn't want to do what everybody else does just the same way i was you know when i first started i I wasn't going to do what i saw everybody else doing 
Um, I wanted to change. I wanted to evolve. I wanted to do stuff different than, than what anyone was doing. And, and, uh, from personality to moves and everything in the ring and Darby's Darby's just like that. Uh, everything that he does is believable. I tried to make all my stuff believable over the years. And, uh, for Darby, there is, uh, life beyond wrestling as well. And I'm not saying necessarily God, <laughs> Uh, I'm working on it now, uh, but <laughs> I got but, you. You know, but but no more. He's a very creative guy, and um, he's got ties with uh, some pretty influential people uh, all over the country. And I believe that um, if he stays in the wrestling industry, if he stays here with the AEW, that eventually he's going to be have he'll have some sort of creative uh, control and some sort of leadership role where, where he's coordinating. And, and, uh, I believe that he has the ability to do something in film. Um, anything that has to do with art, anything that has to do with risking your life, <laughs> he's going to do, uh, this guy's jumping off bridges, a hundred feet high. Uh, you know, he's jumping over his houses with cars. And so he has the interest in skateboarding, you know, I mean, he's, uh, he loves to just be out, and about and rubbing shoulders with uh, people that love to experience life uh, to its fullest. And he's just one of those kind of guys. And so for him, there's, there's, there's so much life beyond wrestling. It's like, he's like, I was too. It's like when, when the match is over and you go home, you take the wrestling hat off, you mm-hmm. know, he's going to get on a skateboard. He, he's built his own skate park behind his house. And, you know, so he's, He's doing stunts and jumps and, you know, he's got all the four wheelers and everything like that going on around the house. And he's jumping stuff with four wheelers and he's got some plans coming up that are it's just, it's just going to be wild. Um, and the world will see, but they'll see Darby uh, beyond wrestling. Darby's days off. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great. And the last thing, um, I didn't know that you and I would be talking. Um, I've actually been working on a different thing for the ringer. It started out about the definitive war games where, uh, where you, uh, kind of walked out on the team because they didn't trust you. And then as time went on, that kind of morphed into the 25th anniversary of Starcade, which is going to be like next week. And so just really, really briefly, I think it's mostly going to be my words, not, not other people's, but um, Starcade 97, you mentioned kind of early, it didn't quite go the way you wanted it to. In brief, if you could just say, hey, this is what I think didn't work, if you have any, anything to add to that. Well, you know, what, what didn't work in my opinion is everyone's on the same page and moving in the same direction. We have a plan, we have a goal, we get to the building, we get there that day and everything changes. Mm. And we didn't know for sure what we were going to do literally until we walked through the curtain. Yeah. And it, it was a day of just confusion and chaos last minute, you know, uh, meetings behind closed door meetings. And just, you know, it was, uh, it was old school pro wrestling, man, as good as it yeah. gets. A lot, of chess, a lot of chess playing. I really, really appreciate your time. You know, as a, as a kid who used to, to watch Nitro upstairs in the game room in 96 and stay up past my bedtime. This is, this is one of those bucket list things. I really do appreciate your time, sir. 
Oh, that means a lot. Thank you very much, Cam. It's good talking with you. Right. Absolutely, guys. All right. Have a great rest of your evening. You all too. Thank you so much. Have happy holidays. All right. Yeah, Merry Merry Christmas, Cam. Merry Christmas as well. You take care. The South Congress Podcast.